0: Good morning everybody and welcome to episode 237 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Seals helps you improve your table tennis. The drill of the week is on receiving serve. We'll give an update on the power of practice competition and in the questions we'll talk about standing on the table, unstable forehand top spins and how to tell if there is no spin on the ball. I'm Jeff Plum and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you,
1: Jeff. And um, a warm night in Melbourne last night. Wouldn't it certainly high. was. What did the temperature gauge get? What was the lowest it got to? I don't know, but it's still like in the high 20s around here. Yeah, it's it hot. was like
0: 38 yesterday. And um, yeah, just didn't cool down much
1: at all, did it? No. No, I, I, saw, I saw 42 on my car temperature gauge driving around yesterday. So, yeah, it was 42,
0: warm. that's pretty hot. Um, and I don't know what that is. Does anyone know what that is in uh, Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit? Nah. 42 hot. Celsius to Fahrenheit. Yeah. It is 107.
1: Yeah, that's hot.
0: 107 Fahrenheit. Wow, that is hot. All right, alloys. How did your spin catcher practice go yesterday? Ah,
1: yeah. So another good day. You know, um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was good. I had some pretty good feeling, and I tried the Waldner. So um, we uh, we've For people seen that the- haven't seen what is the Waldner? The Waldner is where he spins it one way, then spins it the other way, and then catches it. So, um, yeah. It looked so,
0: pretty impressive and he, he hit it pretty high. on the. So he spun it one way, then hit it really high this way and then yeah. caught it.
1: Yeah. Um, it was surprising. It was actually a little bit easier than the Marcus Freitas because there's not as much spin on the ball when you're actually going to catch it because you've spun it one way and then by spinning it the other way, uh, yeah, you haven't got as much um, spin going this way. And I think also when you hit it up a bit higher, um, by the time the ball comes down, it's lost a little bit of that, um, that spin momentum too. So um, not saying that it's easy, but um, it's, I think it's easier than the Marcus Freitas uh, version of the spin catcher. So, but yeah, it was lots of fun.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it seemed like you were surprised again how quickly the time went. The thing that I um, noticed still about the Marcus Freitas one, is he seems to get so much backspin or so much spin, really, on that first um, hit. And the ball seems to just grip on the rubber and roll up it and it stays vertical for quite a long time until it's almost finished and then he switches it
1: over. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, it well, yeah, it is. it It, it is incredible. And uh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But, yeah, he puts so much spin on that first ball and then it's, so, but um, it was interesting. So yesterday's p- point of interest, I think, was, you know, the day before I was starting to lose a little bit of um, motivation and interest um, by then having something a little bit different to focus on with the Waldner, and also, I suppose, a little bit of success early, um, the motivation uh, increased. And as you said, yes, the five minutes went like that again. So... Um, that hmm. is
0: brilliant. Yes, excellent. Well, um Other people are still sending in their videos, which is good, so we're seeing some progress there. Keep working on it. And if you haven't started yet, get involved. Pick a skill, the table tapper or the spin catcher, film your session five minutes a day, send us your videos, and you'll be in the running in our competition to see if you can win a premium membership. Get involved. And And um, when you upload the video, use the hashtag PowerOfPractice and let us know about the video.
1: Yeah, and you don't need to send a video in every day. And I tell you, like, it's or it's only the 9th of March now, and I feel like I've been doing this for a long time. You've still got 22 or 23 um, sessions that you can do until um, the end of the month, so get into it. Power of practice. It's really Absol- interesting. It is, yes, absolutely.
0: Now, yesterday, alloys. the Ping Skillers question of the day, we knew this was going to be popular because it's about equipment. It was... What is the best rubber around at the moment? What did people say?
1: Yeah, so um, again, un- probably unsurpr- unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, yeah, that's a word. Um, Tenergy came out, you know, pretty pretty strongly. There were a lot of people that uh, that do love their Tenergy, but. Um, Abdul said, uh, Rizm P won't count the Tenergy series because it's because of the high prices, and I think that is interesting because it does rule it out for a lot of players. So you know, because of the high price of Tenergy, most people, a lot, yeah, most people can't afford um, the Tenergy rubber, so it's not even an option. So then they've got to look for other things. You know, some other options. um, So Hurricane." Three was uh, very popular. That was uh, that was one that came up a bit. Um, a few silly people going for Andy Power, you know, and Andy Spin and um, <laughs> long pimples. But
0: I think but, I saw yeah, some u bar long pimples in there.
1: Yes, yeah, no, there was uh, a few in there, and um, yeah, but I think I think the interesting one, the interesting thing is that you know, t- Ten as I said, does come up um, on top but that price uh, does really knock it around for some people
0: okay and, and besides tenergy what seemed to be the next most popular just you know, as a rough gauge just looking through
1: yeah so uh, Hurricane 3 um, was was popular um, yep. some racks of sevens and um, I like I like Luke's, Comment Where is Luke's comment? Uh, for the price, durability, and overall performance, you can't go past Axiom Vega Pro. I like it too, Luke. I do like Axiom Vega Pro.
0: There you go. All right. Interesting discussion. Um, if you haven't seen it, you can check it all out and all the replies on our Facebook page or you can see some on our blog. Now, that moves us to today's Pink Seals question of the day, which is How old is too old? to be a world-class player. So as I just mentioned, you get involved by going to our Facebook page, so facebook.com slash Pingskills, or to the blog at uh, www.pingskills.com slash Tabletennisblog. Let us know how old is too old to be a world-class table tennis player. All right, that moves us on to the Drill of the Week. We do this every Wednesday, Alois. What are we going to discuss
1: Today, yeah. Today we're going to um, discuss how to uh, how to practice your receiving. So a lot of players, uh, you know, come to us and say, "Gee, I really, you know, I I can't return serves." Da 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 da. The the really important key is to get out on the table and find a partner that has reasonable serves and just go out and receive and receive and receive. So um, I suppose the hardest part in all this is finding that person that has some. Uh, good serves but what you need to do as a team effort is one person is practicing their serves the other person is practicing their return of serve they develop their serving you rep- you develop your ability to return serves better as well so, so that's a really key factor in your practice sessions so during your service uh, practice time don't then you know um waste the time at the other end and, and if, if your partner's practicing serving just tap the ball back to them practice your receiving but get yourself set up in um, your proper receiving position so not just standing there and pushing the ball back but each time that your your partner serves you need to get down into your ready position um, do your, your proper um, pre-point routine and then um, try to return the serve so Often um, often there'll be, there will be one serve that you find difficulty with. So get your partner to just do that serve repetitively for, you know, a few minutes. And you, again, you'll be surprised at how quickly you start to understand um, the, the angles that you need to get that uh, ball back on the table. And then you need to broaden it out. So then once you do understand that angle... Then you broaden it out to your um, your partner, just varying the serve a little bit. So they might do the same serve. So they might do the tomahawk serve with backspin, which is the one you don't like. So then they might start doing backspin, side spin, topspin, and start to adjust uh, the angles for that as well. And then it's also important to. Um, to get them to serve it to slightly different positions because then it's a matter of making them move to the right position and being able to um, to get the right angle. You know, if you're just stationary here and you have the angle, get the bat, and you have the angle right, that's okay. But then once you move from this position over to this position and need to make that angle, then adds a whole new level of difficulty. So you need to move up in steps when you're practicing your receiving of serve um, up to the level where um, your uh, training partner can serve any serve um, to anywhere on the table and then you're able to adjust to those different serves. But, you know, we always say the key to getting better at receiving serve is doing a lot of receiving practice of different types of serves, Find good servers um, and just throw yourself into it as much as you can.
0: Yeah, great tip. And it is amazing because everyone practices their forehand topspin or their backhand topspin a lot. Um, but you find a lot of people don't even think about returning serves, so they hardly ever practice it. And or they only practice it during games, which is not always the best situation to get better at it. And, yeah, this just gives you a bit of a framework for improving your serve. And you have to receive every every time your opponent serves in a match. So it happens so often, it's really critical skill to practice. So take those tips that Alois said, work on those incremental levels, and I'm sure you'll get better. So this week, get out and make sure you do at least a session on practicing your receiving serve. All right, Alloy's everyone is excited because it's time for this day in history what happened on the 9th of March
1: yes well it's sort of interesting um, it was it's the birthday of Bobby Fischer. so he was born in 1943 um, died in 2008 um, when he was 64. But um, I remember you, Jeff, a long time ago talking to me about a movie about Bobby Fischer.
0: Oh, yes. There was a movie called Searching for Bobby Fischer. Um, really good movie. Not about Bobby Fischer, but now you What do you mean, it? not
1: about Bobby Fischer? It's Searching for Bobby Fischer.
0: <laughs> yes, because as a young guy, it's, a, it's based on a true story called Josh Waitskin who was a chess prodigy. So he was searching for Bobby Fisher kind of. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting um, movie. It talked a lot about parents dealing with this kid that was really good at chess and not just that, all the parents of other kids that were um, playing chess. And there's a couple of funny scenes where the organisers of this chess tournament just get so frustrated with the parents because they're just too involved in the whole thing and they just lock them in a room away where they can't watch any of the chess away from the kids. And it's it's just really funny. I mean, everyone knows about how parents at sporting or chess events get, you know, way over the top. So it was great. It's a really good movie. Highly recommend it. Searching for Bobby Fisher.
1: Ah, interesting. Um, on, a, on a related topic, last night I went to uh, my son's soccer club and they had a... Um, um, uh, a presentation by the soccer federation from ref referees about respect and um and responsibilities and they talked a lot there about parents as well you know the parents on the sideline yelling and screaming at the referee and yelling at screaming and you know trying to trying to call off sides and all that sort of stuff so um yeah very very relevant and um it, uh, there was some there was some really good videos there that they showed of um of a a parent who was um who you know just kept on yelling and screaming at um the at the ref and at the players and at his own son and in the end they said you know if, if that sort of carries on then they showed this this um parent just standing in a field by himself because basically the kid had given up because he didn't like playing anymore and and um and the, you know, the refs, you know, called the game off and etc cetera, et cetera, or whatever it was. But in the end, you know, there's just this guy yelling and screaming in the field because he's destroyed the whole game. So, yeah, relevant.
0: Wow, that's a, that's really good. They're sort of trying to bring that to the fore. I mean, as a parent, I do find it hard, Alois. I mean, you're watching and you just want your kid to do well and you kind it's just, it feels natural for me to yell out. So I'm really working hard not to, to yell out too much just to, you know, play it cool. Um, so and I can I always you, keep getting
1: better at that. And I tell you, Jeff's got a pretty loud voice, I've heard it. But um, yeah, no, you're not too bad, I'm sure, Jeff.
0: Yeah, I'm not too bad. There was my son plays cricket, um, and he was is in the under twelves, and it's like the C teams, so it's not even the A team, so it's not like, you know, the super competitive. But there was one dad in there that was just like always, like you said, yelling out at cricket. And the kids made the semi-final and they were losing quite badly and the opposition was bowling. And normally the coaches just umpire, but because it's the finals, you actually pay for some umpires to come along. Mm-hmm. And there was this one kid that came in to bowl against our team. And from the sideline, like, so you're in cricket, you're miles away, so you can't really sell. This guy starts yelling out, he's bowling no balls, which in cricket when you step over the line and so you... You can't get out when someone bowls a no-ball. And he's yelling out to the umpire, hey, umpire, don't you call no-balls? And he's so far away, he can't tell. And I'm turning to him and going, I think actually he's putting his foot on the line and sliding forward, so I think it's okay. And he's like, no, no, no. And it was just like, it's so uncomfortable and so awkward, and I was just like, this guy needs to just calm down.
1: Yeah, But anyway, we digress. Yeah, we did. We did. From Bobby Fisher to... To soccer, to cricket, there you go. And
0: parents at sport. All right, let's get into the questions, alloys. We've got some good ones today. I quite like this one from Jaden, who says,
1: "Can people stand on the table after winning the match?" Uh, well, apparently, um, we saw we saw Ma Long's celebration after winning the World Championships last year, uh, where he did jump up onto the table because he was just so excited. guys, I don't recommend it. You don't think
0: so? You don't think next time someone wins a match just at their local pennant they should just jump
1: up on the table and just give the big fist pump? That would be awesome to see. Uh, um, Probably not. Um, They might end up having to clean the table up off the floor. Um, A a, a, a a funny story. Um, Went to and did an exhibition at um, a boys' detention um, centre um here long long time ago and and um so we got you know one of the wardens out to play with us and the kids are all standing around and um and we I did a backspin ball and the ball sort of you know landed on the table and it came back towards me and this big guy this big warden um goes to goes to try and hit it and goes to try and hit it and goes to try and hit it and then he falls on the table and the table just split down the middle. He ends up on the floor, the table all on top of him and the boys thought it was hilarious. So oh, no. so guys don't yeah, don't try and jump on the table, you know, after a match, especially your local club. I mean your, your local club spends a lot of um, effort uh, raising money to pay for those tables. Don't break them. But Ma Long, he was on he was on solid ground, you know, like those tables, those show courts are like uh, rocks. So, yeah, you're allowed to apparently, but, you know, no, don't do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. All right, next question is from Christian. And Christian says, I realise that my forehand toss win is quite unstable. And this might be a good one for you, Alice, because you were quite unstable too. Um, sometimes <laughs> I end up lifting the ball too much and off the end of the table, um, the contact is too flat and the ball goes into the net. Can you provide me with some key factors to work
1: on? Okay. So, um, Christian, the, the key here is to just be able to um, to firstly establish a good, solid um, forehand technique. So we have, you know, from here to here. This is, this is your forehand technique. Then we just need to adjust for subtle variations That happen uh, because of the different spins that are on the ball, the different heights that are on the ball. And, you know, it doesn't take much. So it's, it's only the change between this angle and this angle or here and here sometimes um, to get that ball on the table. So that's why practice is so important. When you're practicing, you know, if you're getting someone to block to you, get them to block um, consistently to start with, but then get them to start to block a little bit slower, a little bit faster, a little bit higher, a little bit lower. Um, get them to put a little bit of topspin on the ball as well, because that will then start to teach you the subtle variations that you need in your swing to get that ball on the table. It's 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 the next step forward when you when you're learning a skill. So first up, it's that base that base um, stroke, that base ability, and then we start to use the variations to extend our skill ability. And that's what um, that's what you need to then work on now, Christian. Um, just in practice, get that subtle variation of the ball that's coming to you and learn the differences. I can't sit here and tell you now with the more top spin you need to adjust your angle to um, 82 degrees instead of 83 and a half. It doesn't work. It's, it's about... Um, immersing yourself in it, it's about practising it, getting as many opportunities as you can to hit against those different types of balls and make those subtle variations. It's only the the, the, the subtle changes of the angle or the subtle changes of the swing that, um, that help you to get that ball on the table. Uh, the, the other thing that will help you a lot, though, is to make sure that you are getting some good topspin on the ball. If you're generating topspin yourself, then you're getting a nice... Um, dipping arc on the ball, which gives you a better margin for error um, over the net.
0: That's a good good point, Alois, because he mentions here that he's hitting the ball too flat and it's sometimes going in the net or sometimes off the end of the table. And I think that's probably a common um, problem when people are first learning the topspin. Are there any good tips for teaching people how to brush that ball with the forehand topspin?
1: Yeah, so in our in our lessons, we talk a lot about the start and finish position of the stroke. If you if you hit those two spots with your bat, so start and finish, then uh, you almost have to brush the ball on contact. But you can also focus on that contact point. So contact. Um, contact the ball by just brushing the ball as, as uh, softly and lightly as you can as well. And then sometimes flatten it out and just feel the differences between those two, between the flat and the brush, and then um, work towards uh, more brush spin.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think even if you concentrate on that uh, brushing action, just, um, after a while, make sure you're still getting the right start and finish positions for that brushing contact, and then you'll end up with a really good stroke. Yeah, good advice there, Alois. And uh, great question, Christian. It's, um, it's a good skill to work on. Keep going with it. Once you develop that forehand top spin, the game becomes really fun. So keep going, Christian. Next up is a question from Emmanuel, who says, I struggle in not knowing if the ball has no spin. Is there a way I can judge the ball and how do I practice hitting against flat shots? Should my arm swing be restricted?
1: Yeah. um, It's when, when, so firstly, recognizing the flat ball, um, watch the ball really carefully. Sometimes uh, you will see the label coming at you um, when, when the ball's a bit flatter or you'll see that the label isn't spinning very fast but it's also just the flight of the ball. So the spinning ball, uh, you know, the topspin will tend to dip quickly. The heavy backspin will tend to float a bit more. Um, the flat ball will tend to float uh, in a different manner. So it's it's about um, recognizing those uh, different flights of the ball, and also recognizing the contact of your opponent um, to see when that when they're hitting that ball a bit flatter. So that's that's the one thing. Um, then. To deal with that flatter ball, it's about generating spin yourself. So if you then brush the ball nicely, you're going to get that same dipping action that we talked about in the previous question. So by getting the dipping um, on the ball, you're going to give yourself a better margin for error over the net. So so that's that's the main thing. Watch the ball really carefully to recognise the flat ball and brush the ball um, to generate the top spin of your own. Often the flat ball won't come through to you as much. Um, So you do need to move into the ball um, or or in closer to the table when you see that flatter ball and then still generate that top spin on the ball. Uh,
0: Yeah. So in answer to should I restrict my swing, not really, huh?
1: No, no. In fact, you should make sure you you really extend your swing um, fully because that's the way that you're going to generate the top spin. If you, if you restrict your stroke, then you're not going to generate as much spin, so um, that flat ball is going to tend to fly back flat and you're not going to get that nice dip on the ball that you're looking for. That Absolutely. Nice
0: yeah, excellent. All right, great question, Emmanuel, and keep working on it. As we always say, you know, spin or no spin, it's, it's the hardest part of the game, so... You know, Once you keep improving at that, um, you're going to find it a lot more fun and you'll get a lot better. All right, Alloys, I want people to go to Pingskills.com and put in their email address to sign up for our free newsletter. If they haven't, do that now, Pingskills.com. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening if you're um,
1: on the podcast. And as always, thank you, Alloys. And thanks, Jeffrey. and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Um, I'm going to get into Spin Catcher Day 9, I think. Day 9. Awesome. Wow. It is. It
0: is. Yep. And I'll do some table up All right, we will catch you tomorrow. Uh, enjoy your table tennis, everyone.